0: welcome to We Talk About Movies. I'm Kevin.
1: And I'm Ruth.
0: And on episode six, it's all about Collateral Beauty starring Will Smith. Before we start, don't forget to join the literally dozens of people who follow us on Twitter. We will get an exclusive sneak peek into how we feel about movies before the podcast goes live at We Talk About MOVI. Now, let's talk about Collateral Beauty. I want to start off with saying before I before we saw the movie I knew that the critics hated it. I it got a 12% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics.
1: Which is funny because I was excited about seeing it. I remember when I saw previews for it come out.
0: Yeah, I the previews looked great to me. I mean, great. It, it looked like a movie I wanted to watch. And yeah,
1: I yeah, not necessarily great, but just something I wanted to see.
0: It kind of looked like something that you might expect it was kind of angling towards an Oscar. It was released around that time when a lot of Oscar movies get released, and it was a very emotional type of a movie.
1: Hmm. I didn't get that feeling at all, but go on. So, I mean, I didn't think that it was going to be an Oscar-type film.
0: Well, and as you know, and our listeners may know as they hear more of these podcasts, we are not big fans of... Academy Award-nominated movies generally.
1: Uh, yeah, not not typically.
0: Let's just say the Academy and the two of us don't always agree on movies.
1: That's fair, yes.
0: So um, seeing that this was actually at 12% on Rotten Tomatoes actually got me kind of excited because I can't tell you how many times I've seen a movie 80 or 90% plus and just not like it. But really, not like it at all.
1: You know what movie comes to mind Which when you say that? It was the. It was a comedy, and it had Seth Rogen, and it was like the end of the world.
0: Yeah, I know what movie you're talking about. Yes,
1: what is the name of that movie? James Franco, or not James Franco? Yeah, James, Fran- yeah, James yeah, Franco, in there. Um, Seth Rogen. It has a bunch of people in it, but it had really great reviews. We went and saw it. And you were like, this is awful.
0: It was so bad. And,
1: and I didn't find it terribly great either from what I remember. Let's just put it this way. We've never watched it again. I think it's called This is the End or something like that.
0: That's it. This is the End. Oh. I just looked it up on my computer. Look at that. Yep, wow, look
1: at that memory. Yeah, That's That was impressive because we only saw it once.
0: Yeah, that I did not like that movie. But I, I...
1: remember going in, it had 90 plus something percent when we went to go see it. And I think it was after that movie, you finally said, I just don't trust critics anymore because I I never agree with them.
0: You know, I actually, if I had unlimited time and money, I'm a tech guy, you know, I work in IT. I would love to create a website where you go rate your movies and it also compares you against critics. And it will tell you how similar you are to each critic. So if a critic says... I like this movie. It'll tell you how likely you are to like it. Um, so you and can I know
1: find someone with similar tastes, Netflix
0: kind of does that with the ratings on Netflix. But I don't Didn't think anyone... Didn't they just change it? They've always done it that way from what I understood. But oh. I don't think it's done well anywhere right now. And if anyone has that um, website or app, I want to download it and use it. Uh, but anyways... Another one that I we've talked about this before but Mad Max I think got great reviews by all the critics and I just did not like that movie. So
1: I think you're right.
0: So anyways, this being a 12% Rotten Tomatoes movie, it was actually exciting to me and I have to say I disagree with the critics. I liked the movie.
1: I liked it too. The only reason I I'm guessing that the critics didn't like it was because it is predictable.
0: It's super predictable, yes. And so this is, you know, you always get a spoiler alert. We talk about the whole movie, but this is, you know, stop listening now if you haven't heard it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Time, love, and death are not actually, they're not struggling actors in Brooklyn. They're actually time, love, and death personified. Um, They are those things. They're not people.
1: Right. And I... I feel like the movie, though, purposefully made you think that from the beginning because of Keira Knightley plays Love. Right. Uh, she, and in the beginning, she's at this casting call and gets Edward Norton's character to follow her. And when she gets to where she's rehearsing with the other two people who turn out to be Death and Time, they she Death looks at her who's Helen Murin, I believe is the actress's name, uh, she says, good job, you, or way to go. So you're already kind of like, oh, so she purposely was trying to get Yeah, unless... So that's why I'm wondering if the movie purposefully wanted you to guess that. But then at the same time, I know critics typically, I think, if you can predict something, then it's awful. Which I don't think is necessarily true, as long as it's entertaining, which I thought this was. I, I enjoyed the movie as well. Uh, made me cry and <laughs> made you feel things. And I thought it brought up a lot of interesting points about those abstract
0: ideas. I I agree with you. I imagine that the movie did not... I think it probably did intend for you to know because... And again, this is, I do this all the time when I'm watching movies. I like to find things that don't make sense. Why would Kira Knightley have gone to this casting call and then left and then just leave?
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. It, it
0: doesn't make sense if she's a person trying to get a job as a voice actress or right. whatever. So,
1: and like it, I said, it didn't make sense for that line to be delivered when Death said, Good job, you, just to her.
0: Yeah. So I it's very predictable from the beginning. Don't feel bad if you didn't get it, but no. it is pretty predictable like that you kind of get that feeling throughout the whole movie that these are actually uh time love and death. Although there is one thing that bothers me about it.
1: Oh, go ahead. What?
0: That was never addressed. So when the the private investigator was taking those videos and
1: I'm with you, I think, on this train of thought, but continue. So
0: one of two things happened when she took the videos. Either Time, Love, and Death were not there, and she didn't have to edit them, at which point there should have been a scene where she's like, hey, guys, um, the actors weren't actually there.
1: Right. Which I thought would come at the end of the movie, but it never came.
0: Right. It didn't. And then the other option is they are there because Helen Mirren's character said, okay, people can see us when we want them to, blah, blah, blah. But- it would have been so difficult to do a really good video edit. Like when when she was taking the video on the subway and death is in between Howard and there's the yes. camera, death and Howard. So to edit death, if death were a real person and visible in that video, to edit her out would take... A private investigator should not be able to do that. Like that would take so much time and effort to do that believably in a court, which is essentially what they needed. So right, I feel I'm like with you for
1: because I was very frustrated with that part too. I was like, you can't just edit how someone's face is reacting to something because there's a person in between you. Yeah. So how did how would she edit quote unquote edit that? I don't. Yeah, and it, maybe you can do that, it, but it, to me in my head, that's not possible. I
0: mean, anything's possible, but it's it's so unlikely. So I feel like for this story to have made sense, you needed the private investigator to say, uh, "Hey guys, the, there's no people." Like he was really talking to thin air. So. Uh, That's something that I wish was cleared up because we don't know either way, but it's really unrealistic to think that they were edited out because it just based on where the filming took place, especially on the subway, it just doesn't make sense.
1: I agree with you there because that was the one thing I kept thinking and in particular the subway one. And I thought at the end for sure they were going to that the private investigator woman would have said what do you mean? I didn't have to edit anything. What do I know? We talked about it, uh, uh, and all. Well, but you know what, Kev? Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it, it is exactly how Helen Mirren, uh, who plays Death, explains it. We uh, we can be seen when we want to be because she walks by Will Smith with her grandson, and says,
0: "Well, that that was supposed to be staged. I would I would right. assume, right?"
1: Well, it was supposed to be, but then why would? Well, no, okay. I was thinking, because well, but that had to make sense that they saw her because she death then talks to the gentleman later because she asks, "Well, who was that that walked by?" And, oh, that was the PI we hired, and
0: yeah, why no, else the, would the, the PI p- was involved? The PI knew about the actors and everything. There's no way you can't tell the story without the PI knowing. So, right
1: that's why i'm saying but the pi would have had to have seen her from that beginning because otherwise she would have just said well yeah we did what you said but he really was talking to himself
0: right yeah so you have to
1: so you have to assume yes they can right and I that's, that's
0: why it's so such an important omission that they left it out Agreed. what was actually on the videos did it have to be edited or not right so yeah that's that's a problem but not a huge problem, but it no, is a problem.
1: Not a huge problem. I it doesn't make me dislike the movie.
0: So let's talk about the I, again, I think the the writers intended the fact that they were not real people to be
1: predictable. mostly predictable.
0: I agree the, and
1: I wonder if it's because here's the thing that I didn't mind about it even though it was very to me, obviously predictable. Now, maybe to other people not, which is fine. But because it was obviously predictable, it made you want to look forward to the other characters, uh, meaning... Um,
0: Edward Norton's character.
1: Edward Norton's character. His name was Wit. Mm-hmm.
0: Then Kate Winslet was Claire. Yes. And Michael Pena was Simon.
1: Thank you. So I was looking forward to how their stories were going to develop because you ob- you see this obvious pairing off mm-hmm. of each death, love, and time with each one of them, and each one of them is paired with the one they need the most in their life, Right. and you pick up on that quickly, and that's what I was excited to see and what kept me interested, even though I knew it was predictable. I knew it was happening as far as, oh, they really are death, love, and time. I wanted to see what they were going to do with those characters because to them, they were doing all of this for Howard. Right. But it wasn't just about Howard. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I liked it because I was constantly looking forward to what's going to happen with these characters as they interact with each death, love, and time.
0: Yeah, and I will say that Simon's character was, I think – of all the characters, the most powerful. because Simon
1: was Edward Norton?
0: No, Simon is or Michael Pena. Michael Pena, okay. So he's the, the young father who has a terminal illness and is going to leave his his family. And that, obviously, I have a personal connection to that with being a young father. And when he was saying, you know, when I was young, I thought, who would want to live to be a wrinkly old 100-year-old and then he says, sounds pretty great now, because my kid's 70, his kid's forty, his kid's ten. And just being around for all of that love and, and joy in your family's life. It, it kind of makes me rethink. I, and I never was someone who thought, I don't want to get old and wrinkly, but it it even makes me think more. I really need to take care of myself because I want to be around. You know, I, it's not something I really thought about. I, you know, yeah, I'd like to live to 100, but now I kind of really want to live to 100 because can you imagine what 70, 68 years from now, no. our, our boys <laughs> will be doing and all of their kids and their kids? I, mean,
1: I can't imagine. It's hard to imagine.
0: Yeah. I can't imagine either. That's why I want to live to see it.
1: It's funny that you connected more, or I guess you know just had a strong affiliation with that character because I was thinking Edward Norton's character too is very powerful because I liked that Kira Knightley, who plays love, challenges him to say, with all this ferocity, you're trying to take me out. I want you to fight for your daughter and show her that you still love her. And to me, that was really powerful because it's seeing a dad's love for their child and having to be reminded, you're the adult. Your kid doesn't know how to always express their feelings and you have to fight for them and do what it takes. And it may be uncomfortable and it may be hard. And you may have to hear that they say they don't love you. They don't like you. They hate you. But you will always love them no yeah. matter what even through all that and see to me i thought that was very powerful
0: i did too and i what's funny to me is i think the most powerful part of that of the edward norton character wit the most powerful part of his journey was not between him and love it was between him and howard will smith's character when he said i'm disappointed in you he told him you don't need her permission to be her dad. Howard said that. Howard to, said that to yes. wit. And and that I think for anyone who has some type of estranged relationship with any loved one, it doesn't even just apply to children. You don't I don't need anyone's permission to be a brother, a son, a father, a husband. Whatever it is. Whatever I am, I am that. A friend. To anyone in my life. And I don't need their permission. And that was um, the most powerful, one of the most powerful lines in the entire movie for me.
1: I agree. And he, and he also, I think there was a line right after that where he said, don't waste your time not trying. And it, it, he he mentioned something about it it could be gone in a second because that's what happened to him.
0: Right. I love movies with deeper meaning um i love this movie because it makes for a great conversation i think it makes for a really great podcast honestly because i could sit here and talk about this all night because i have a bunch of quotes written down
1: you know the other quote i wanted to mention that we both kind of i think we actually rewound it to hear it again was when again this is edward norton's character he's talking to love and they're trying to coach up the quote-unquote actors on what they should say to Howard as love, death, and time. And he tells Love, oh, you need to tell him. And of course, I'm going to butcher the line. Maybe you wrote it down.
0: I didn't. Okay, but, okay, but you know the it.
1: part I'm talking about. That part was really powerful, too. Because well, but he, the
0: listeners may not know. So this is the first time Wit and Love are one on one talking about yes. how they're going to approach Howard
1: and ha- and she says well what am i supposed to say how do i all he wrote to me was goodbye and he basically says you're love you're in everything whether he likes it or not and once he chooses to accept that he can potentially move on with his life and the minute he said that I'm go i'm going in my head you're talking to yourself right of course.
0: Mm-hmm. I We actually rewound it and I wanted to rewind it to, again, you kind of predict where the movie's going to end up. So I wanted to rewind it and see how applicable is this statement to his relationship with his daughter. And I actually thought eh, it's, it's applicable, but maybe it could be a little bit more overstated. Um, so it worked. I, I thought. It wasn't completely connected to his daughter. I thought maybe they could have done a better job with that, but I don't know how to do it. maybe they did the best they could. but I agree it it was it definitely it ties the movie together when you get to the end.
1: Yeah, it was just a line that I remember I I liked the way they described it.
0: I'll say so we've talked about wit. We've talked about Simon, Kate Winslet's character, Claire. Yeah. I really felt like she had a pretty poor resolution. Yeah, I, th- I
1: didn't like it. And maybe it's because I'm not very smart. Because
0: <laughs> So it was a little confusing to me, but this okay, is good. let me tell you what I took from it. Okay, it go ahead. It seemed like time was telling her, yeah, you're not going to have your own kid, but you can be a mother figure to people without being their biological mother. Is that what you that's,
1: got? Yes, that's what I took from that. And it's funny, you know, obviously neither of us really connected with that as much, but I don't think it was as developed as the other two. You have the scene where she's obviously thinking about having a baby and all this stuff, but with her conversations with time, actually, I think the conversations with time were more powerful with Howard because there was so much anger there. And the most powerful thing, or at least the thing that sticks out to my mind, so obviously... I would assume is the most powerful thing is that he says, you have so much more of it than you think you do. He goes, I give you time all the time and you're squandering it with this domino stuff. Right. And that was powerful to me because I just thought, wow, he's right. You know, you think we don't have time all the people always say, Oh, if there are only more hours in the day get 24 hours in a day that's actually a lot of time it may not seem like it but it is
0: they say that the days are long but the years are short right exactly and I think that's a really a really profound statement because days are long and I think weeks at some time, sometimes are very long too when you have a hard week at work.
1: Yes, and let me tell you, having a newborn, the days are long. Yes. And we're about to have another one. I know. <laughs> and the days are so long.
0: But the but years now, are short because I know, Caleb is 14 and a half exactly. months old and it seems like he was born yesterday.
1: Doesn't it though? That's exactly where I was going with this and I wonder if any every other parent feels that way too because you think back there were days, especially when you went back to work and I stayed at home with Caleb and it's our first child. So I'm crying all the time because I am have no sleep and I have a newborn and I'm a new parent. And of course I'm thinking, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. <laughs> and
0: You're doing a great job is what you're doing.
1: Well, it does not always feel that way. But you think back, oh my gosh, I just have to make it through this day. And I remember always praying that five o'clock would roll around and you were coming home to help me because I just was at my wit's end by the end of the day. And now I'm thinking back, wow, I was wishing time away. Don't do that. Yeah. That's so bad. I it's it's such a bad habit when you're you feel like you're having a bad day or you're in a bad situation or you have a crying baby that you can't figure out how to make them stop crying yeah. and you think oh please just l- i can't wait till my husband get home gets home and now i'm thinking oh we get to relive all that again and i'm almost excited for it and possibly insane <laughs> but yeah. but i am and and it's so I always have to remind myself, I feel like that's a constant. And I feel like we've had that conversation before. I have to remind myself not to wish time away. Don't always be looking toward the future and just be in the present and enjoy it because it's not going to last. I know.
0: And it is hard. Um, I I definitely feel like I wish some time away as a father of a baby because I've always known I'm going to be a I'm going to be more interested in being a dad to a 5-year-old than I am to a 1-year-old. And I'm going to be more interested in and maybe more interested is the wrong word because I'm I'm totally I'm all in. I'm 100% in on raising my child, but um I will maybe find it more interesting, maybe is a better way to put it, to be the dad of an 8-year-old versus a 5-year-old and probably a 13-year-old versus an 8-year-old. And I feel like as they grow, I'm going to just find it more engaging, more interesting, better, and and just love being a dad even more. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't enjoy being a father to a 1-year-old, being and a father to you, a, a newborn.
1: Right. And I think you do. I think you don't give yourself enough credit because I know that there's things you're looking forward to, like... You, I know you miss snuggling with Caleb because when they're newborns, they'll sleep on your chest a lot, and mm-hmm. that's always really great for dads because, obviously, newborns very reliant on mommy, especially if you're breastfeeding. And uh, they, I know that that's something you're looking forward to, even though I remember that when Caleb was born, you thought, "Oh, I'm." I'm just gonna really feel more involved, more engaged when he's a little bit older and can actually interact with me. But I know there's things that you liked, and that I think now you realize that you miss.
0: Yeah, I, I do. I love you. Being can hold a dad. him in
1: one arm.
0: I know. I I love being a husband. I, if if anyone ever asked me to describe myself, I'm a husband first and a father next, and it's all amazing, but. This movie helps you put into perspective. Time is limited and it shouldn't be wasted. No matter. Don't wish it away. Yeah. No matter what.
1: You can look forward to things. Yeah. But...
0: No, no matter what difficult things you've been through or you're going through. So I'll go to the title of the movie. There's collateral beauty. And, right, we haven't
1: even talked about that yet. <laughs> yeah, and
0: anything. You know, you could be having the worst year of work in your entire life. Your boss is killing you. You're working long hours. But there's got to be some collateral beauty there somewhere. Maybe you're connecting closely to coworkers while you're spending all this time in the office. And that's something you need. And maybe you're really providing some kind of a connection that someone else needs. And
1: Or maybe you realize you're in the wrong job, the yeah, wrong profession, and right. you find a way out.
0: Yeah, so it doesn't even have to be the death of a loved one, like a child or, or a parent or any death. There is collateral beauty because there's just so much beauty generally in the world, and it's important to look for it.
1: Right, and that was one thing that Will Smith's character in the movie was, which we find out he's talking to his wife. You don't find that out to the end. I didn't get that yeah, until so, the Yeah,
0: and that's what makes this... a. A pretty darn good movie to me is that twist because yes. the
1: because they acted like strangers,
0: right? And and it's one of those things where, and I was wondering if you got it sooner than I did because because I, did I didn't get it until they're at she the house. Kept Asking him, at you know, at the very end, what mm-hmm. was your daughter's name? And and like um. Thirty seconds before he said it, I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm getting it now." Which is probably about Where
1: you're supposed to get it. No, it's I probably think, like
0: a minute and a half later than no.
1: Else. I, I think we discovered it around the same time because I feel like we both kind of let out a "oh," <laughs>
0: yeah, a- and it...
1: maybe not verbally. Maybe it was a head tilt. I don't know, or maybe well, just some weird connection. But, but I feel like
0: that's a really cool moment in a movie that I personally really enjoy because there are questions. You know me, I'm always looking for things that don't make sense. And there are things that don't make sense. And then that ties them all together because you learn something at the end that you didn't know at the beginning. Even right when he showed up to her house, you said, how does he know where she lives? And I said, dang, this is a nice house. How does she have all this money? And then two (laughs) minutes later, we had the answer because it, it ties everything together that you didn't know before. And as someone who's always looking for the plot hole, when there are plot holes that are later <laughs> resolved, I love that, and that's that's one of the coolest things about cinema. That that when when a movie does that well, uh, I love it.
1: Yeah, it was. I I enjoyed it too because that was something that was not predictable to me until the movie wanted you to know, or at least in my eyes, unless we're both very just unobservant and dumb. <laughs>
0: well, tell us. Go to if if you're listening to this, go to Maybe our somebody website.
1: yeah, maybe somebody else predicted it.
0: Tell us if you predicted it um cuz I I would have made the movie worse if if you had predicted it early. And I feel but you stupid. You know, it makes
1: me want to go back and watch it again I because know. I was I want to go back and see how it, exactly they interacted together and
0: It makes me feel stupid because I I put at least one piece together right away. You know, the first day he went to the, the class or whatever it was, the support group, and she came out and she said, I had a six year old daughter. And I was like, Oh, he had a six year old daughter.
1: Right. We both said that. So, but I thought it was just going to be, Oh, they're going to make a connection. Yeah. Not that they were in any way knew each other, much less it was their daughter.
0: Right. Um, but I, I just love that twist. That, that's what turned this into a really good movie for me. Like I'm definitely not in the 12% critic. Well, I guess I am in the 12%. I'm not in the 88% that say that this was a bad movie. I think this was a a really good movie.
1: Yeah. You know, the one thing here's something that doesn't make sense to me, or I, I don't understand why, I guess maybe you caught on to this, but what do they do with the money?
0: I did have that question. What, what <laughs> I are, wrote
1: that down while we watching these... it. I go, why do they need the money and what do they do with it? Because right. obviously, like time gets cash.
0: Yeah, cash is, that's the worst one. Like when um, Simon gives death a check.
1: She, she could just not cash Yeah, it she's or... not going
0: to cash that check. She's not a real person. Right. But, but yeah, when Kate Winslet's character, Claire, gives cash, I'm like, oh man, you really got screwed. Out of, you got the worst resolution. Because you don't actually get to have your own biological child and you actually lost the 20K when the other guys didn't.
1: Well, but we don't know. Maybe they did cash it. Maybe it's to play into, because let's say the PI did see them, Yeah, meaning death, love, and time. She saw them. So yeah, they had to be paid and then it would have to be on the books because everybody else thought they were real people and to keep up with that facade they had to take the money
0: well but once they're out of their lives that the facade doesn't necessarily matter i don't know it, it's a small thing it that is i ma- just
1: was curious i go i i think i wrote down what about the money yeah <laughs> what do they do with the Which, money
0: oh i want to say this i have not Actively, but I have passively convinced Ruth to start taking notes during the movie. <laughs> I've been taking you, notes ever. So here's another thing. You made me thing. feel bad. Our our podcasts are probably out of order. We This is about the eighth or ninth one we've done. And when Recorded. you're listening to this, it might be the fourth or fifth episode ever because we're not releasing them in chronological order. But yeah, we've done about eight or nine of these. And this is the first one where I got Ruth to... To start taking notes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You didn't didn't
1: get me to. I asked.
0: Yeah, you, (laughs) I, like I said, I influenced you towards it by just doing it myself.
1: Well, and I wonder if it's because the last, I guess the last one we recorded was Rogue One, maybe? I don't remember. But anyway, there were things about it I think I had wanted to talk about, and then we had gone off on... Some different tangent, obviously. And then I never went back to the things I thought I was going to talk about because I didn't write them down. And so so you
0: guys are getting what Ruth (laughs) wants to talk about for sure now. So you guys are really lucky.
1: Well, some of the things, yes. But I don't write nearly as much as you. I wrote three things down. You wrote a book. (laughs) she she probably does
0: she probably does get a little annoyed because i pause the movie when i want to write something down
1: what what annoyed me was that i kept thinking quit outdoing me why you're making me look no it's not
0: it's not a competition and some (laughs) of the things i've i wrote are not things that are very competitive well yeah but not about this (laughs) i don't like to be competitive with my wife because well, It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Although <laughs> we are very competitive, like, ban- Bananagrams. Oh, my gosh. We have some serious Bananagrams battles.
1: Cribbage, too.
0: Cribbage, yes. Um, what's that? Again? Quirkle. Oh, man, I kill you in Quirkle.
1: No, you do not. I love that you always say that, but that's not true. I've won at Quirkle hey, just as much.
0: Fake it till you make it. I always beat oh, you in okay. Quirkle.
1: Sure. All right.
0: So w- there's one major plot hole in this movie that I want to talk about. We haven't hit on it yet. And I'm hoping you can talk me out of it, actually, because I really like this movie. And I, I want there to be a reason for this, but I can't find it. Why will why doesn't he want to sell the company like it, the whole thing about they have to you know, prove he's insane or whatever? Well, because I think that was that piece sell.
1: of paper at the end.
0: Was it? I, because
1: but, because
0: oh, is it because the because part of, it's of whatever trust, trust
1: he had. So he, he
0: so he cannot sell anything because it's technically his daughter's, and until he signs the paper right. that says she's dead, he doesn't have the right to do anything with it.
1: Right, because he doesn't want to acknowledge his child's death. Okay, that's what I yes, that's what I assume.
0: Okay, so that does. Because
1: none of that can happen until he acknowledges this money that's been allocated for my child. But it's part of his assets. And so he he would have to acknowledge that she's dead first.
0: But in the scene where he's signing the papers, he signs the sale paper first and then signs the.
1: No, that was for that particular deal, though. I
0: know. But he can't sell. He can't sell his shares if they belong to his daughter. So he has to sign the daughter paperwork first that she's dead. So he has control over those shares again instead of the trust in his daughter's name. He didn't
1: sell his shares.
0: Yes, he did. That was the whole thing. He owned 60%. That sale to the other company couldn't go through. But that was only for
1: one particular client, I thought.
0: No, they were selling the entire company. To, are
1: you sure? Because I thought it was just one particular client, because they were saying without Will Smith's involvement, they don't want
0: to work was, with us but anymore. That was a different thing. I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, I could be wrong here, too, but I'm pretty sure that was just them trying to keep business. But huh, the overall okay. thing was Will Smith owns 60% of the voting control of the company, right? and they are looking to get bought out at $17 a share. And they can't sell themselves because they need the majority owner to to do that. Well, Although, maybe. I, so maybe, here, I I, maybe. I think maybe. I think I can. No, I think I can explain it here. 40% of the ownership was already on board. So as long as his daughter didn't own 41% of the company, um, or sorry, 51% of the company, um, he doesn't need his whole... 60% to approve this sale, all he needs is 10 or 11%, right? Cause 40% is already on board. So if he has just, you know, 10.1% out of his daughter's trust, then, then they can make the deal.
1: Potentially. I mean, the other thing I was going to say just from an emotional standpoint is he doesn't want to admit failure and because he already lost his daughter and probably well, feels like,
0: but, but I don't. To me, that's a hard sell because
1: emotion I mean, is a hard no, sell. <laughs> no,
0: that he doesn't want to admit failure. He admitted failure when he stopped caring about that company for three straight years. I well, mean, but that's that's. But business maybe it's tied failure. together
1: because he didn't want to have anything to do with the business. So all he did was play with dominoes all day because he didn't want to face reality. Facing reality means he has to face not only everyday life of work, but the reality that he had no longer has a daughter. I mean, it's all about him building up this fantasy world. He had, had, had to act like a stranger to his ex-wife. He built up, that's what, you know, going back to Edward Norton saying we need to play into this fantasy world that he's living in now because he no longer lives in our reality. And because he no longer lives in our reality, the job that he had, he can't acknowledge that because that's not part of his reality now.
0: But then why, if he doesn't care, if the job is not even a part of his reality, then why does he care what happens to it? Whether it's sold to another company or not, why why was he so against selling? That's what I I don't get.
1: Well, I don't know. I might have to think about that one.
0: Because even there's a scene early in the movie where he's riding his bike into oncoming traffic, which means he's so depressed he's suicidal. Right. So he doesn't even care whether he lives or dies. It actually seems like he would prefer to die. So if you are that, disengaged from your life why do you care what happens to your business why why are you so adamant that you won't it just seems like his character would be like you guys want to sell it sell it whatever else you know do i have to sign the papers because i don't want to do anything maybe but because I'll- if he
1: sells it then no longer it no longer holds value in the trust for his daughter at which point again he would have to acknowledge that she's not there he has to hold on to it because he doesn't want to admit she's gone
0: but i think i've disproven that by no
1: but i'm saying like that's why he doesn't want to sell it
0: so legally there's no because he did the sale papers before the daughter papers so right. there's no legal barrier you're saying it was some type of an emotional barrier but yes. if it were an emotional barrier by selling, he's still, he's just, instead of stock in her trust, now it's just cash in the trust. Like, that's not a terrible, that's not a bad trade, right? I don't know. I don't know. I, if you're listening and maybe you Maybe smarter people know. Yeah, if you can explain this to us. Like I said, I like this movie. So I, I want to, f- <laughs> I would like an answer to this question so I can like it more. Because right and now it I'd feels like watch- a plot hole.
1: Well, and maybe I would have to watch it again to figure it out. Now you know going back and knowing that's what I'm looking for, then you might be able to.
0: Maybe one of our wonderful listeners can tell me.
1: Perhaps uh, I hope so. One of the two well, listeners. Yeah. We hey, have. we're growing every day.
0: <laughs> I'm just kidding. And thank you to everyone who is listening. And we hope you enjoy it. Um, I want to end, oh, or actually, there's one more thing I want to touch on briefly. When they people
1: might be sick of hearing us talk.
0: I know. What... You
1: might have to wrap this up, babe.
0: We're getting close. <laughs> Um...
1: Plus, I'm tired.
0: Yeah. We all, we do this at night always, so it's always a, a battle and between... And I'm three months
1: pregnant. It's You're a time. lot
0: more than three months I'm pregnant.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> see, look at this. Pregnancy brain, it's a real thing.
0: I, I know it is. Trust Third me, I...
1: trimester is what I meant to say. Yes. <laughs> you <laughs> see. About, I need to go to bed.
0: You're about two and a half months away from, from popping. Ugh, yes. So, real quick, when they went to hire the actors... The lady Helen Mirren's character was talking about gaslighting, and oh yeah, she was so upset that like, does anyone watch anything longer than a minute or what? She's Anyways, she made everyone feel know. bad about not being familiar with gaslight. The I movie. didn't know what it was, and I was like, well, okay, I guess I'll feel bad because I don't know what that is. So I looked it up, and apparently, it is a it's an old play movie. The play was released in the '30s. The movie in the '40s, and it's basically about a man who sets up a bunch of stuff to try to convince his wife that she's crazy. I don't know why he wants her to think she's crazy, but it's it's psychological manipulation. And so obviously,
1: delightful. (laughs) Well, that's what
0: they were doing to to Howard in this movie.
1: Yes, that's fair.
0: So that's why it, it that's what that was. If you were like us and had no idea what gaslighting was. You can Wikipedia it, uh, and you'll you know. see what I saw. Yeah, the more you know. <laughs> with, no, I know with Kevin this that. time. <laughs> um. All right. The last thing. There's just one more really powerful quote. I wanted to to end on this one. This is, uh, Kira Knightley's love character, and the last conversation she has with Howard, where she's arguing with him, and you know the whole thing. There's some powerful moments, but the most powerful statement she made was. I am the only why.
1: It ties it back to the beginning. Well, it just Well, you remember the speech he's giving? Yeah. He says, the only question you need is why? Why did you get out of bed this morning? Why did you go to work?
0: And love is the only why. It's it's a really it's a really powerful thing for I think for anyone because I believe it. I, I agree with that statement. If you agree with that statement, too, then it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter where you live, what car you drive. All that matters is, you know, the people that are close to you and how much you love them and how you show them you love them. It's it's just something that hopefully I can keep at the front of my mind. And and every, you know, no matter everyone may know, not everyone, but people may know that but it's hard to remember that you get caught up in the day to day and you know not this has been a pretty philosophical podcast in general um because of the nature of this movie but i think it's something that i w- i want to try personally to keep that in the front of my mind um that love is the only why and if i ever have a conflict and i'm not sure whether to make a decision one way or the other maybe maybe that will help guide me Okay, so that is Collateral Beauty. As you can tell, I liked it. Ruth, you liked it?
1: I, I did like it. I will certainly watch it again because I want to watch it again knowing the ending now.
0: Okay, we. it's time to give it a rating. What do you oh. say?
1: Oh, I would say a six or a seven, I feel like, because I'm certainly going to watch it again and I, I've, I've enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I liked it. Um, I think it has to, for me, it has to be a seven at least, honestly, because...
1: I'm thinking I'm leaning towards seven.
0: Because...
1: Let's say so i I'll just firm.
0: Like I said, I like seven. when the reveal at the end ties all the loose ends together. That's really cool mm-hmm. here. And it's a power... It might even be higher than a seven for me, because I'm thinking I just rated... And again, this is not going to be in chronological order of you listening to the podcast, but I just rated Rogue Star Wars Rogue One a seven. And I think this is a better movie than Rogue One. If you asked me, which one do you want to sit down and watch? Um, I'd probably pick this one. So, but I don't think it's an eight. So we don't really do... seven
1: 7 and a half?
0: <laughs> we'll seven call- and three quarters? I'm going to rate it a seven, but it's a seven plus. We'll just call it that.
1: <laughs> Flat seven. <laughs> or I'm just plain seven. Just plain seven. <laughs> Kevin told me a funny story today about a kid. Well, tell it really quick because I thought it yeah. was cute. <laughs> so
0: kids, we well, you started with a story. You were talking about... Well,
1: when I was little, my neighbor, uh, we grew up to a, next door to a family that grew up to my dad when he was young. So our families have known each other forever. So I was talking to <coughs> Kathy and she, apparently I said... She, she asked me, how old are you now, Ruthie? And I said, well, I'm seven and a half, but people say I look like I'm eight.
0: <laughs> you must have been a very mature looking seven and a half year old. I,
1: I guess so. But I, I said something to that effect. And so, of course, she, that's, that's she likes to funny. tell that story. And I go, that's, I'm just so hilarious.
0: That's my Ruthie. <laughs> um, yeah, my story was, uh, there was a, a lifeguard at the pool that I was a pool rat when I was a kid. You know, every day um, just stayed there. And we were friends with all the lifeguards. Um, and she said she was asking kids how old they were. And the kids were like, I'm four and a half. And the next kid was like, I'm four and three quarters. And the next kid was like, I'm just plain four.
1: <laughs> just plain four. Just
0: plain four. Um, so this is not a just plain seven. i I'm to I'm going to rate... Collateral Beauty, a seven plus.
1: Seven plus. Okay.
0: So I do all my ratings on IMDb and I can't, I can't give it seven plus, but on our website, I'll probably give it a seven and a half because I can do that on our website. Well, there you go. Um, and then after you guys watch it, you can rate it on our website as well. After all the hemming and hawing about how to rate a movie 7+, plus, I finally made a decision and rated Collateral Beauty a 7.5. Ruth gives it just plain 7. We really don't understand why the critics were so down on this movie. Do you agree with the critics, or do you agree with us? You can let us know by going to our website, wetalkaboutmovies.com, and rate the movie there yourself. Next week, we're going crazy and giving you a double feature. Yep we're going to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 in theaters. But first, we'll re-watch the original Guardians of the Galaxy. That means you'll get two podcasts in one week. Can't beat that two-for-one deal, so tell your friends, and we'll see you next time for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1.